0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWendelick.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Susanna Skyer gupta Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWendelich.com podcast. Welcome to episode one for season 12. This episode was recorded on Thursday, the 4th of November, 2021, for release on the 17th of November. This episode is sponsored by the book, Modern Concurrency and Swift. I am your host, Drew Freeman, with my Tell It to the Dough co host, Susanna Skyer Gupta.
1: Thanks, Drew. This episode, we dive into the book Modern Concurrency in Swift and talk with author, Varan Todorov, and Final Pass editor, Shai Shali. Hey,
0: it's great to have you guys on the show. The book has been out, admittedly, from the time we're recording this mere hours. So, um, Susanna and I have, have taken our, our, our quick dives on the book, and we're looking forward to discussing it. Okay, so let's take a moment to credit the rest of the team on the book. We've got Marin as the author and you as the Final Pass editor. Well, who else worked on the book?
2: Yeah, uh, except for the two of us, uh, we have two final, uh, sorry, we have two technical editors. We have Rich Turton and uh, Felipe Somarzetti. We have uh, Sandra Groushoff, who is the language editor, and of course, Manda Frederick, who's the book team lead, who's worked with us on a bunch of uh, books so far. Um, that's the, the whole dream team. And this is
0: an enviable task. We've been waiting for this and hoping for it, but Apple basically dropped it on us less than six months ago, and you've turned around and gotten this book out.
2: That's all, that's all Marion's magic. He can talk about it, but it's been crazy watching it from a side, but I'll, I'll let you talk about how crazy it I mean, was. Let's, this book.
3: Yeah, let, let's be honest. This is, uh, the Modern Concurrency was um, pitched... I don't remember five years ago, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a pretty clear plan where things are going to go and the implementation has been slowly trickling down into, into the nightly builds of Swift. And so I had uh, nightly downloads from the swift.org tool chain that had the uh, modern concurrency experimental feature. Everything was behind an experimental flag. So I've been playing with this for a while before WWDC, uh, and and I knew that it's super exciting, and it's 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 you know it's taking shape and so forth. So I wasn't 100% sure I'm gonna go out on dub dub, but then when it did, uh, it was I think it was pretty clear we have to go as fast as we can, uh, and uh, you know make sure that people have something to read. As soon as possible.
2: Yeah, I also think that many of us, I mean, we all really hoped for a while because the entire Swift community was kind of talking about how this is the next step in figuring out the concurrency uh, stuff on on Swift for both server and uh, and client work. And I think, uh, and I think that um, many of us expected to just come in Swift six, so it was a really pleasant surprise to have it in five point five. Really exciting for sure.
0: So this does go back to the manifesto were you following latner's manifesto when it first came out i i must
3: say that i did um read through thoroughly when it came out and it all made sense but i think at the time it described such a big departure of what we had um you know available that it sounded, you know, like maybe it's something that will come in Swift 10 or Swift 20 or, you know, something like that. Um, And so I did have it in the back of my mind, but I didn't really know that it's going to be a tangible feature that lands in an official release so soon. So uh, this is definitely exciting. Um, And we did have all the, I think, about 15 different pitches under the concurrency umbrella. And those, like, you know, you could feel that... during last year that those like became more i know um thick and 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 not so fluent anymore and and i uh, you know they went through the motions and and it looked like a lot of people are really happy with them so you could see like how things are shaping up this was really i think the evolution process is something that makes the the swift language itself just uh you know it's thriving um at the moment it's just very solid predictable process that, uh, you know, gives confidence to, to to the developers and to also companies to use it.
2: Yeah, so, so just one, sorry, just wanted to add to that that I guess I've, I've had uh, the luck and pleasure to work in a lot of uh, huge projects and I think that you could always find yourself dropping into these crazy corners of, of, of thread, of like huge threading issues and race conditions and I think that it's one of the big unsolved issues that have been in, in Swift and iOS development for a while now and I think it's super exciting that we finally have like really great tools and diagnostics to help uh, work around this problem in a way. Uh, still a bit of gotchas to work around, uh, I guess, and, and, and know about, but it, it's still very exciting uh, progress for the Swift Language.
1: Can we jump up to a really high level and do some, I, you know, I've read the introduction to the book. I understand the book is pitched at an intermediate level developer, okay? But let's say somebody is not quite there, that they're more of a beginner, but they want to understand, they want to know what they should know about concurrency. What would you tell that person? What should you be learning about concurrency as a new developer?
3: Well, Cocoa apps and iOS apps in general are inherently asynchronous, right? So there's many parts of your application that are happening at the same time, right? You can scroll things on screen at the same time, play audio at the same time, I know, uh, be in a network call of some sort that is fetching data from the network and so forth and so forth. So all these parts are kind of happening at the same time. Uh, and so they don't really stop and wait for each other, right? Like you don't stop the audio any time that you start scrolling if you do things, right? And so it's it's important to understand that there are... There can be, you know, many different things, many small tasks that are that are working on the same thing, or just uh, in coordination and so forth. And so, concurrency is something to understand and keep in mind, uh, and know the most importantly the constraints of it. And so, uh, when you know, like when few things are working on the same thing, they might, you know, conflict into, uh, you know, whether what, what a variable should be or. Uh, I know who owns a piece of data and so forth so these these are the kind of problems that are that are erasing from from things happening concurrently.
1: Where are you likely to first use it? Where are you likely to first run into the need for async await at when you're working on beginning
2: stuff. I think maybe just give a very naive example here that every beginner developer would know, which is basically think that if you're in an app that has just a button and you tap that button and uh, it fires some network request, it shouldn't prevent you from still using the app itself. Uh, you are able to concurrently both run the process of drawing the UI, for example, and performing the network request, uh, which is a bit different from parallelism, for, for example, which is like also concurrency. But the, it's the idea of having a lot of parallel uh, like pieces of work working together. Um, so really, this, this is just a simplification of what Marin just said. Uh, it's about being able to manage different pieces of work. And work means drawing UI. It means making a network request. It means anything that happened in your app on the correct threads simultaneously, while still managing it in a sane way, basically.
0: Are we effectively seeing a way of saying goodbye to completion handlers? Or will completion handlers really still have their
2: place? Hopefully. Uh, I, I, I would say my personal opinion is that I hope they're gone. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it entirely, entirely solves the problem, but um, you do get automatic, I think, uh, bridging from completion handlers to async await, which kind of hints you that Apple wants you to go that way, right? Um, so you can already await things that would have a completion handler. It kind of wraps it up for you. Um, and I think like Apple already took this way to moving to more modern concurrency stuff like from, you know, we had blocks, we had closures in Swift and we had combine. Now we have this async await stuff. It's just like an evolution of also kind of trying to uh, have a pairing with other modern languages that already have these language features for a while uh, and kind of powering up in a way.
0: You mentioned combine. And when Swift UI came out, they also brought out combine. And combine, it was a combine. It was a huge field tractor that pushed through this entirely new concept. But it really seems like it was a holding technology. Because when uh, Sync08 was introduced, Combine wasn't mentioned at all. And it makes me begin to think Combine was sort of there to hold us. Until we had the answers, now is that what I'm seeing?
1: Yeah, I'm curious too, though how they fit together.
2: I have too much to uh, say right. about it, so it's better that I don't start talking <laughs> about it. So, Combine is is a
3: reactive framework, right? Like it's a it's a framework that helps you manage reactive stri- uh, streams, um, and so it, it's really powerful into tasks as. You know, have a stream of values coming from the network being combined with some user interaction um, events uh, being combined with something else. And like this driving like your whole app from one single place and, you know, things like this. So, you know, complex tasks can be can be solved really easily if you know well the combined operators and, and you have a little bit of experience and so forth. Um, while the modern concurrency is, is one level lower uh, the way I see it. And so it's it's there to kind of um, obsolete your interaction directly with Grand Central Dispatch. And so it's there to basically <clears throat> remove the need of you to say dispatch queue main this or dispatch global queue that and so forth and so forth. So the way that you think about queues or threads and so forth um, is a thing of the past. And the new concurrency is being managed completely transparently for you. You just say, this function should be asynchronous, this should be asynchronous, maybe this closure should be asynchronous and so forth. Um, and then the runtime takes care of all of these to go to the to the correct thread, to go to the correct uh, place being executed um, in the correct order, uh, you know, having more important pieces of work executed first, and so forth, and so forth. So, so.
1: So we don't need to think about queues and threads at all anymore. We just need to know: is something asynchronous? Do we want it? Do we want to wait for this thing to come back or not?
3: Right. So, async await is is exactly that. And so, every time you await an asynchronous function that goes through the runtime and um, the re- every single time you use await there's an opportunity for the runtime to you know check how you're doing um, check how other processes are doing do they need more resources and so forth and so forth so the more you use the sync await the better it is for the cooperative um model that, that drives um the whole asynchronously uh, between your app and other apps too um, and so there is an abstraction that is somewhat, I, I don't want to say similar, that takes care of some of the things that dispatch queues were solving in GCD. Those are the actors, um, but they of course do much more than just that. So I don't want to say that they're a similar thing in the new concurrency.
0: Yeah, the new concurrency has their own view of what actors are.
3: Yeah. So so actors are, are types that uh, mostly and mainly encapsulate state, and so um, they kind of like have um, an automated management system around their their state. You can imagine a class that um, has this like super powerful uh, receptionist. And so anytime you need to, <laughs> you need access, you know, there's the reception to say, yeah, you wait, you come in, uh, please hold on, and so forth and so forth. So, like, it's completely managed uh, for you. So that you can never have a race condition, you can never have a crash, and so forth. Uh, but they do more than that, of course, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is where I outline that I love doing this as a podcast rather than, say, a book or a screencast, because you're feeling like, If I could just give you some code snippets right now, that would make this a lot easier to explain. And we're trying to take the 20,000-foot look and then the 10,000-foot look. And I really appreciate you coming up with uh, analogies because that really helps the listeners begin to get their grasp on this thing. So, well, we've covered the fact that... um. This is an intermediate book, and that you should have at least some understanding of uh, the ideas of concurrency. Now, one of the things that tripped me up when I was looking at it originally was that if you use a weight, you need to mark it as async. But if you're going to mark it async, you need to call it from something that's async so where does that start up the queue how does that work because the the first thing i discovered was well what do i well where do i say this is where the async begins right
3: so it, it is it is a kind of a kind of a thing to solve for yourself when you uh have a little bit of experience i guess I was just talking to Johnson Dell uh earlier this week, and we were saying exactly the same thing. He was like, "Oh yeah, it made one function a sync, then the one that called it needed to be async, and then the one that called it needed to be async and so forth, so you know stop if you start unraveling, you can just you know get out of control and um uh, sooner than later just have to redesign your whole app and so forth, so I would really do this um." There is a type called task uh, in the new APIs, and, and task is um, a piece of asynchronous work. You can you can think about it um, in 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 uh, past terms as a closure, as an asynchronous closure. Uh, and so inside task, you have a concurrent context, and you can do asynchronous calls and other parts of your app that are not strictly Inside a task, are synchronous, so you don't need to await, and you cannot await anything. And so I think it's important to realize like which pieces of your app are synchronous, and which part of your app might be asynchronous or might be concurrent, and so forth. And then like separate them um, into into like synchronous, strictly synchronous, and maybe asynchronous parts. Um, and this is not as difficult as it sounds if you. If you look at a Swift UI app, you have all the view modifiers, right? Like an in individual view modifier is a is a little piece of code, hopefully a little piece of code. <laughs> um, and so each of these usually runs synchronously. So it's easy to say, hey, this part is synchronous, and here I can call only these ones. And then other view modifiers are strictly asynchronous, like the new task modifier. And so you can neatly separate like which calls you do where and so forth Um, and each time in your synchronous context you need to do some asynchronous work or concurrent work you can start a new task uh, really just by saying task open closure and like insert the asynchronous calls in there Um, and now comes the question how to funnel data back from your asynchronous (laughs) code into your synchronous code like this I think is the is the big question I think that we're going to sees patterns emerge for sure or maybe the apis will get richer a little bit next year right now you, you get kind of like need to decide it for yourself uh, but in the book we do a lot of this you know back and forth between synchronous and asynchronous um so there's like a whole variety of showcases in there
1: yes i'm listening to you describe this i wonder if there like are there new design patterns that go with this you know, it's just listening and wondering without having played with sample apps yet. It, it really makes me want to see, okay, how did you do that? Which, of course, is the great part of the book.
2: Yeah, I, I think that another thing that's really nice about having having like specifically async away is that it does exist in a lot of other languages for years. So there are patterns that we can kind of migrate and learn from from other languages. God forbid JavaScript, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind uh, that is a strong uh, player for that. Even actor model, you know, is something that came from Akka and other um, other. You know, strong languages that have have this model for a long time now. Um, So there's already prior art that we can base our new patterns uh, on uh, for Swift and for iOS apps. Even though it's not the same product, eventually um, the patterns I think would be the same uh, moving forward. But I'm sure the community uh, will come up with its own stuff, like it's bound to do every time uh, a new uh, interesting feature comes out. It's going to be interesting. seeing that happen from the side. <laughs> so one of the questions that this leads me to is,
0: because you, you mentioned a lot of using the task in SwiftUI, is it lending itself more easily to SwiftUI than, say, UIKit? Or is that pretty much off the table and it should pretty much drop into either once you understand the uh, the, the patterns?
3: From, from what I've seen so far, working on um a couple of bigger apps. Um Swift UI and Combine are such a fantastic team that you know Combine takes care of most of my like data binding needs. And so I've been mostly using task and async await in my models. To, to handle networking or to, you know, like do some computation and things like this. Uh, and so leave the rest basically to uh, SwiftUI and combine to, you know, pipe everything through to the UI. Um, and I think in SwiftUI, the, the the 95% of my needs so far have been just to have the, the task modifier, uh, which is being executed when the view appears on screen, just to kick off some uh, some model work, basically, to say, hey, my model, by the way, I need this and this done, and then leave it be uh, until the results
2: pipe through uh, through the bindings back to the UI. Yeah, I think I just wanted I want to add that uh, we were talking about uh, combine a bit earlier and how, like, what's the relation between combine and async await? So I think that really uh, combine came out with Swift UI for a reason, right? It, it powers Swift UI through Published and, and some of these other uh, capabilities. And these things are still gonna live with us. Like it's not legacy code or anything combined, it's still gonna power uh, every Swift UI app out there basically. And so I really agree with what uh, Marin says that, yeah, the test modifier is super powerful. By the way, actually like my, at least my instinct would be that like UIKit apps would benefit so much from async 08 because, like Swift UI already has a pretty good model for you know uh, being uh, functional in a way, being declarative in a way, but UIKit has. Much more legacy stuff that you can benefit from, uh, kind of migrating away from closures into async await and simplifying your code to read more synchronously, uh, even though it is asynchronous. Um, so, so I think it can fit any language. Definitely, server stuff like Marin does in the book, uh, which is super interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, combines very much here to stay, and uh, it it also shows by the fact that we have like async publisher which basically lets you await combined publishers as if they were async sequences. Uh, So they also provide this bridging so you can easily kind of go back and forth.
1: It sounds like part of what you're saying, though, is that um, if you have a UI kit code base that um, that you may benefit from this new concurrency even more so than if you have a Swift UI and combine Code base because it's going to, you're just going to be cleaning things up. It's going to be so much more straightforward to read after you've used the new. Concurrency. It,
2: then it's it's newer to begin with, and it's it's got a right. way of it's got a way of doing things too. While UI kids a bit, you know, it kind of evolved over time with a lot of different patterns. SwiftUI as a like it has a few ways of doing things, but it has a very kind of directional data flow in a way, and it builds in a certain way, uh, very kind of derived from state uh, to build views. Um, so I think that it is going to clean up some stuff in 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 some scenarios, but for UIKit, there's just much more mess to clean up that uh, that you know that you could benefit uh, to, to uh, kind of migrate to this in my opinion at least.
0: Yeah, I will say that um, and my credit to the team on this that the book is using some of the most modern technologies from Apple. Um, the server that runs underneath your examples is uh, assembled by Swift Package Manager. It assembles itself very beautifully. You're using Swift UI. You're using um, all the modern technologies, and uh, it is, as you mentioned, Apple is pretty much saying this is, this is the future. As we've learned, when Apple says this is the future, uh, if they sit on it for a year or or more, follow along or get left behind in some ways. I, I've seen many technologies get get deprecated or get lost, and the jobs are definitely going to be moving into Swift UI. I, I definitely think the jobs are going to be moving into async and await.
3: Right, but you can see that you know with with the modern concurrency uh, language feature, there the, the was something that I don't know if it's. I, I think it's unprecedented that there was a big voice coming from the community saying hey the modern concurrency is only available now 15 mac OS 12. nobody's targeting like only the latest unreleased versions of these platforms and so forth and so forth and just like and i think that it was amazing that people kept and kept saying that even though for me personally being super excited about the new currency but that was like annoying that so many people were discontent with it but i mean in the end um truly I think no serious product would target only the latest versions. And so it seems that Apple heard that. And uh, in the latest Xcode at the time of this recording, there's the uh, backporting feature of the modern concurrency, which allows people to build products for macOS 10.15 or iOS 13, which is just, I think it it shows that Apple is so committed to this, to these new features and to this new, uh, um, Patterns that they would go out their way to, you know, do this backport. I don't know if this was planned or it wasn't planned, but it was definitely not announced in June, and so it feels like it really was a reaction to, to uh, so many voices saying uh, they really want to use this now and not in two years from now.
0: And that's the Xcode
2: 13.2 beta. That you're mentioning, right? Yeah, 13.2 beta right now. I guess it's gonna go out of beta pretty soon. I think that would be the first version to support that. It was it was just really phenomenal to see from the side. Like we, I mean, me and Marion and and the rest of the concurrency team kind kind of looked and waited in a way because we knew that there are talks and we had we saw a first PR around concurrency, but still wasn't fully there. And then kind of Doug Gregor put up this huge PR to support backporting, and we all kind of crossed our fingers, yeah. and then boom, 13.2 uh, came out with a changelog entry that said that it's going to be supported in iOS 13. We were all like that. Uh, aside from making this book much more valuable, it, it means it puts this like super powerful technology that has the power to make your apps safer into more apps. Uh, it makes it more uh, accessible to app developers, like Marion said. So it's uh, really exciting to see really how have, how Apple invested in, in into this. I can't imagine... I, I imagine people running around like a fire saying, we have to get this done, but I don't know if that really happens, just how I imagine <laughs> in my head, basically.
3: And, and currently at, and on the Swift forums, I noticed that there are at least a few issues with the backport. Um, so I'm not so sure. Let's not commit to shipping... Uh, <laughs> the the backports are soon but um it's definitely under work and it looks like uh Apple is committed to it so uh, th-
0: this is just great yeah let's let's remember that it it's 13 to beta so
1: does that mean it's premature to talk about what gotchas people might experience in using the modern concurrency targeting iOS 13 because because it's in beta basically because the backports in beta
2: Probably the gotchas right now are, is the fact that it's in beta. Like that's really the gotcha, right. right? Because gotcha. we don't know how stable or unstable it is. And like I didn't follow the forums as as well as Marin did, but if people are already complaining about it, then it means, I mean, as expected, that it it was it was like not rushed, but it was done really quickly, like surprisingly quickly. Uh, so it makes sense there are a few bumps, but I'm like I'm super confident they're they're gonna fix and smooth out all this stuff, and we're all gonna be able to enjoy it, hopefully by thirteen point two five and not later, but yeah, we'll see.
3: I'm also pretty confident there's one clear gotcha, um, which is, and we can talk about right now, which is that um, even though you target, say iOS 13, and the modern concurrency um, module is going to be automatically backported for you and bundled with your app, so you can use Actors, Async await, and so forth, you still cannot, of course, use... APIs that are available only in iOS 15, like uh, the extensions on URL session and things like that. So, you know, foundation or, or core data frameworks that have the uh, sync await uh, extensions or, or special methods and so forth that were introduced in iOS 15, you will still not get them uh, somehow automatically if you're targeting iOS 13. So, uh,
2: yeah, I'm curious if they're going to fix it, because it sounds like it should work. Like if if they already went through all the trouble, then who knows?
3: Well, this is not really so easy, though, to because depending on how these APIs are implemented, uh, it might be more difficult because currently from from the gray response, what I understand is and what I kind of like seeing the build binaries is that if your project is targeting an earlier version than iOS 15, it kind of like bundles the uh, lib dispatch uh, with your app. And so your app doesn't use the, the system lib dispatch. It uses your its own custom lib dispatch. So that's why it has access to async await and, uh, and task and so forth. Uh, but if these other APIs like on foundation and core data are defined in these other modules, then you don't get them alongside with, with the bundle concurrency module. So it really depends how it's structured in the source and so forth so I, I simply don't know how it's going to look like by the end but currently you cannot use them uh, in the better version for sure
0: let's talk about some of the stuff that was added in ios 15 because a lot of people i think take a very primary view of this and think that we've added async and await into the swift language but there was a lot added into the actual frameworks to make this much more robust can we talk about some of the areas that people should be looking at that that have been enhanced
2: okay i'm uh, um, sorry i'm asking like are, are you referring to anything specific around concurrency or well
0: some of the some of the frameworks that effectively were enhanced for concurrency i uh i'm curious if you could highlight a few that that, you know, you really should say, okay, I use this kind of a framework and here are some of the enhancements that now exist.
2: Yeah, I think the most obvious stuff that uh, we kind of got with Combine as well. I think that every time they deliver something, like they, meaning Apple, deliver something related to concurrency or, or multi-threading, they provide extensions on URL session because it just makes sense, right? So you would be able to await a URL request. Uh, but interestingly, you can also, which is something that we do in the book, you can, like, await, like, a socket request and listen on, uh, like, away the, the bytes coming in uh, from a request. For example, or stuff like that. Uh, I think that's like um, a, a really strong, like a, a really power, like a real powerful API changed. Uh, if I remember correctly, there are a few other like heavy. Um, sync APIs that they added, uh, like, async variations for? I Recall, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, and just remember something about, like, UI image or something like that they added async variants for, but I might be wrong about this.
3: Yeah, I think that there's uh, there's some kind of, a, like, automation script that is, has added um, an async version of every function ever that has a clear callback parameter. Um, because i was going through documentation and it looks like all of these uh you know obvious methods that have a callback um, all of them you know produce a deprecation warning or used to in one of the betas of xcode um they don't anymore but they do have like an async um, variant so i guess there is a lot of automation going there um making sure that you can use everything
2: yeah, I think that generally they uh, mentioned that they would bridge automatically, like uh, f- like methods that have their last argument as a closure to async functions automatically, and I think that applies also to your own code, you know, just like Foundation or system frameworks, uh, which I think is also super powerful for kind of migration and bridging portion of moving your code into this new paradigm. Um, that's like that. That's a big change. Like it also. Like, if you use the refactor tools and you could kind of right click and say convert this to await and stuff like that, they added a lot of interesting content around that.
1: That's obviously if you are targeting iOS 15.
2: Yeah, yeah until the backport is final, and by then I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get most, if not all, of this stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, as Mary said, we'll have to wait and see, but I'm hopeful that if they were able to solve such a huge issue with the feature itself, then I'm I'm hopeful they can uh, resolve the extensions themselves, but you can never you can never know.
0: Let's step back for a moment from from concurrency. And one of the things that I, I like to cover on this show is that we have programmers who are people as well. <laughs> So we, we like to take a moment and just talk to you guys about what you're doing, what other things you're uh, involved in, and specifically things that go on when you're not attached to a computer, which I realize for both of you, maybe never. Um, but we hope, I know, Marin, your dedication was to your daughter. Um, how old is she now?
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. Drew, are you saying that some programmers are also people
0: we we tried we we, we really <laughs> we, we really try to get that idea across on this show because yeah so my daughter is four now
3: uh
2: i think four and a half or so yeah and, and
1: shy you also have a a young child at home right
2: yeah uh, Ethan, he's uh, two, uh, two, two years, three months old now. Um, very cute, very crazy kid. Um, yeah he was, he was born uh, he was born when combined went, went out actually. I remember I, I flew out to, to New York to talk in a conference. Uh, he was like six weeks old. And I used this photo throughout the entire uh, entire oh, wow. slides. I was really funny. And then every time people say, like, how do you remember his age? i I say, or like, how do you remember how old combines? I just say, it's the age of my son. Like, it's easy. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, my son is iPhone-aged. Mm. <laughs> oh, so that would be 15 or 16 He's years old. He's
0: 15 years old. He came, with, he came out with the iPhone. So, uh yeah, it's interesting because for him, that means that touch technology has always been a thing.
1: That's fascinating.
0: You know,
3: I have one thing to ask, you know, like, who was the de- who was the engineer or the designer who decided that a locked phone can still make photos? Like, every every week mm-hmm. I have to clean, like, about 2,000 photos for my iPhone because <laughs> <laughs> my door will just find it and I just, like, press on and that's it. <laughs> You know, I I would agree with like a single a single shot photos on a lock screen. I can get this, so people can make like a photo. But like, what's the point of be, the, the phone being locked if you can just press on and like do? 200
2: shots in one go. <laughs> this this is us uh, uh, crying about the fact we love our kids so much, but they are messing with our phones all the time, basically.
1: <laughs> okay, but it is really funny, years later, when you go back and you look at the photos, because my kids are older, and you see that, like, oh, look at all these. This must have been from when they took my phone, and they were, like, little. And it's funny.
0: No, I just looked at the settings, and <laughs> you can't turn it off. I mean, you can't turn it off in the settings.
3: Nope, nope, you can't. I mean, you, you, you will try, but no, you can't.
0: But then again, I learned that I had to lock my phone back when my son picked it up and started dialing Spain. So, um, <laughs> you know, the nice thing was that the way he had dialed it and the iPhone basically said that this is a Spanish phone number. And I'm like, well... That, that's not a good thing. Let's stop him from doing that. But that was also back in the days where if you had 10, wh- what was it? If you had 10 missed logins, uh, 10 miss logins, it would erase your
1: phone. Whoa. Those wow. are scary days. So I had a follow-up beyond how great your kids are, I mean, which should be a central theme in all conversations, always. But so, you guys, I know that for Marin, this is your 10th book, which is Mind blowing to me, and Shy, you're seventh, yeah. Um, how do you manage your work and this amazing productivity here at Ray Wenderlich and parenting? What, how do you like? Are what are some of your life hacks to manage to get stuff done and maintain some shreds of sanity?
2: I want to preface what Marin is going to say with the fact that this, this guy wrote two chapters a week for like three, like a few months. It was crazy. (laughs) So now tell us how you did that. (laughs) Right. Without, without sounding too smug,
3: I want to clarify that this is my tenth book for Ray. But before that I did work on other tech books. Um, But yeah, so I think, well, I think that is, uh, I was discussing, but I cannot really remember who was. Um, I think it was with the Ray on a call a few months back, and we were just discussing. He was saying, "Ah, oh, you know, uh, like if 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 everyone was was uh, as efficient author as you, this would have been like much easier, and you know, and so forth and so forth." But like I said, yeah, but you have to if you're comparing it's just not fair because you have to think about like how efficient I was when we were working on our first book together and i was five by tutorials and so this was like a um like a like a blip show you know like uh everybody just <laughs> trying their best but like uh it didn't really like it doesn't really work on the first try so well and then the second try was i think a little better but it was also pretty much winging it uh, and so forth. And so the the, the amount of, of times that I've, that I've been through the process, I think it just helps out uh, immensely. Uh, there's, there's no, a lot of red tape and there's no, uh, a lot of new things to, to pay attention to uh, kind of like I'm, I've worked through this like already so many times that uh, kind of like I really can just be totally zen and think about my own stuff. <laughs> And like, I know how much should I be doing as an author and like what kind what kind of like input, like every, everyone after me uh, expects all the editors that are working on this team. And there is a lot of people to take care of like whatever you write. Right. So I think just being familiar with the process and like doing only the thing that is expected from you and leaving the other people on the team to do their work. Uh, I think this makes most of the difference. Um. Shai,
1: Shai, how yep. about for you as a final pass editor and somebody who's worked on a whole bunch of books? Yeah, where I, do you where it. do you find the time? Where do you find the space?
2: Literally, like, yeah. what is
1: it? What does it look like for you in your home day to
2: day? That's a good question. First of all, I, I, I did both like I did books as author. I think three so far, and f- three as final pass and or like voice final pass and one as technical editor. So the first book I did was with Marion as well was the Realm book. Uh, I was uh, like a TE on that, technical editor. I think that time-wise, evenings, basically, like I try to clear as soon as baby's asleep, uh, a couple of hours uh, every day, depending on uh, like what phase of the book we are on, if it's like crunch time or a bit more laid back. Like in this book, it was a lot of crunch time just because we wanted to get it out the door quickly. Um, I think that for me there is like there are a lot of parallels for how I started developing iOS apps to how I started like going into books, like I kind of started with tutorials, and I was like, wow, people people are actually reading this stuff and they're really enjoying it and they're getting value from it. Then I got the opportunity to start doing books, and people bought the books and they enjoyed them. And then I wrote my first book, and then I was like, wow, people are really like liking it, and it was like that first time when you compile an iOS app and someone touches that button and they enjoy the code you wrote. And I think that you know the fact that I can write stuff that is helping people, or I can edit content that other people wrote and make it, you know, smooth for other uh, readers to follow. That helps. That helps them uh, develop their their next app. That's something that's really that's really like exciting to me. Um, and I, I agree with Marin that, like once. You don't have to think about the ceremony so much, you you know how the flow works, you know the kickoff and all that process, then it doesn't uh, scare you as much, it's not intimidating, you're used to it, and the seventh book is, is easier in that sense than the first book. Uh, also, like when you're a final passenger you're expected to basically know the entire process very well, so I'm pretty much used to it by now, uh, as Marin is. Um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. Just decide to dedicate the time to it. Uh, try to find the time in the evenings here and there and, uh, and, uh, and that's it.
0: I really want to say that I appreciate you guys coming on the show. It's been a great dive into async and await and concurrency and the new book, which I know will be very popular because it's just this amazing technology we've all been waiting for. I want to thank you both for your time and talking about so much today. It's been a pleasure having you, Marin. We can find you on Twitter at iCanZlib. Is that correct? Uh, right, that's right.
3: But like, the easiest way to find me is underplot.com. This is my personal page, and they have like underplot. underplot
2: yeah,
0: I like the word. And uh, shy, you are freak for PC.
2: Yeah. Who of us has the most the, the most ridiculous Twitter handle? <laughs> me i think (laughs) by the way is it zilib like the compression i i always wanted to ask you where does the nickname come from
3: it's unlike the compression zilp
2: zilp Uh, oh you're right yeah it's pretty much like you know
3: like when i created my account exactly 14 years ago it's like i had no idea that twitter is going to be something that like is going to stick around at the time like people were just posting their breakfast and things like this you know like it was hey i had an egg all right <laughs> so uh you know i just came up with some gibberish and uh and then the whole Grey went team thing happened and yeah and i am stuck with it
0: forever yeah susanna you can find online at suz gupta that's s-u-z-g-u-p-t-a i'm podcast drew that's podcast d-r-u in two weeks we're gonna come back with one of our old co-hosts jen bailey is gonna be on I hope you've all enjoyed this episode. That's going to wrap things up for the episode. For my guests, Marin Todorov and Shai Mishali, and for co-host Susanna Skyer gupta I'm Drew Freeman. But for now, it's time to send things back to the Emerald Castle. Ray,
3: back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWendelick.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes.
0: See you next time.